and good morning. Welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I am your host. So listen, I am um, pretty fired up. Hold on, I'm trying to pull something up here on my computer real quick. I'm pretty fired up about what uh, what's going on here today. I have a very, very special guest, an amazing lady on the show today. I want to welcome my Facebook friend, and we're, we're, we're becoming friends, but my friend Sarah Moneris to the show. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. I, I'm excited to have you on. You're a rock star. So, um, I, you know, I don't know you really, really well. We've been friends on Facebook for, I don't know, two or three years, I think. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, and I've seen your stuff. I know you're unbelievably smart. We share a lot of mutual friends and clients. And, and so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about you, your life, how you've broken through some of the things that have tried to stop you in life and, and, and you know, just learn more about who you are and what you do. So why don't we start with where you were born and raised? Yeah, sure. Well, before I dive into that, I just want to say that I love your show. I love the heart and the premise of this show. So thank you for all you're doing to help people break through their walls and, and just pour into them. I think you're amazing. So thank you. I yeah. With that. Yeah. With that being said, uh, <laughs> where am I? I, where am I from? Right. Yeah. That would ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I was born and raised in northern Colorado. Um, I'm still here in Colorado. I love it here. It's an amazing place to live. Um, I, yeah, I mean, as far as my living history, it's not very exciting. <laughs> oh, it's not? All right, well, hey, thanks for being on. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. So I, I'm sure, but like, so you grew up in, and by the way, I've been through Northern Colorado and OMG, it is so beautiful. It is yeah. unbelievable. I'll never forget when I, I moved to Seattle many, many years ago and I drove out when I, you know, drove out and I went through, um, it was part of Colorado and Utah, like real, or maybe it's Wyoming and I don't remember, but I remember driving and all of a sudden I'm in between these two mountains that I've never seen anything like it in my life at that point, right? I had never, I, I just hadn't experienced anything like that. And I can remember I pulled the car off the road just so I could, on the interstate, just so I could take yeah. it in. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Like it's 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 yeah. mind blowing. So you're from a very beautiful part of this country. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. My husband's talked about moving a couple of times, and I'm like, Yeah, no, I just I don't think it's gonna happen. You're like, I can love you from afar. <laughs> yeah, have fun with that. Yeah, bye. So so um, so you were. Um, and you went to school out there, I assume. Did you yeah. go to a public school and all that? I did, yeah. So I was, when I, I was born to mom and dad, they were married. My dad uh, was a Baptist preacher. And 
Um, I grew up on a farm. I had, I started riding horses when I was about three by myself. Uh, I loved horses, still do to this day. They were like my spirit animal, I guess you could say. <laughs> you, you, you and my wife, I swear yeah. you guys would be like BFFs. She is a <laughs> horse freak. When I met her, she had two horses and lived right next to the boarding stable. Literally, the, uh -huh. the property atta were atta they were attached. And, yeah. and I don't know anything about horses except for they're way bigger than me. And, <laughs> and I've heard that they can bite your finger off if you feed them wrong. And I'm like, that sounds fun. Yeah, I want to be around that. So but my, my wife rode, she's a champion dressage rider. I know what that means now. And, you know, nice. so she's had... Yeah, but we're they've they've passed since since then, so we're 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 horseless right now. But oh. literally, my eight year old daughter, like they're they're attacking me all the time. Oh, oh I we bet want a horse, we want a horse, and I'm like, oh. I've seen a picture of all the land you have. You better hurry up and buy a horse. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, we can't have them on this in this this neighborhood. Uh -oh. No. But we, you know, there's, there's boarding stables everywhere. So, yeah. Um, yeah. but anyway, so, um, so you, you love horses. I love horses. Yeah. So I had, um, as we all have, you know, uh, some difficult things that happened in childhood and, um, before we went on live here, you, you had said that you're a believer in things begin in childhood and I 100% agree with that mm -hmm. um horses were when i was little they were my escape and so they were my my friends you know yeah. kind of like a dog but just a whole lot bigger <laughs> yeah a lot bigger <laughs> yeah. you can't tell them to lay down either they will not listen no <laughs> no <laughs> dog will horses no nope. <laughs> so uh yeah so my parents um, are since they divorced when I was 10. Mm. There was a lot of chaos between the two of them. Lots of conflict, lots of fighting, lots of stuff going on behind the scenes. Because like, as I, I said, my dad was a Baptist preacher. We were in church, you know, every time the doors were open. So five, six days, seven days a week sometimes. Wow. Uh, yeah, that was that was our life. And we would go to church and we would present as the perfect family. Mm -hmm. And that's who we were. And I was the preacher's daughter and I was amazing and perfect and right all of these things. And then you go home and behind closed doors, there's fighting and there's all of these things going on. And I think for me, I learned from a very young age how to hide the ugly, um, how to pretend like everything's amazing and wonderful and how to cope and survive that way. And as a young child, <clears throat> uh, I think I was around five-ish or six-ish. I, I don't know. My, my brain hasn't allowed me to totally <laughs> know that. Yeah, so I experienced uh, sexual abuse by one of my babysitter's teenage sons. Oh, wow. Was going for a little while. And so there was also that piece tied into everything else 
where it was, again, learning how to hide, how to pretend like everything's everything's amazing. Yeah. Nothing bad ever happens, right? Yeah. Mm. So. so did you um... – and and I, I I went through a lot of childhood craziness myself, so I can relate to all of that. Um, so did you? Um, how did you cope? How did you? How, I mean, that's because you have to cope, right? Right. I remember yeah. I met a I met a, a, a psychiatrist um, years ago, and and I was trying to sell him something, and and um, he said, "Give me your best price," and I said, "I just did." And he said, um, no, you didn't. I said, yes, I did. He goes, you're lying. And I said, I don't lie. I puffed out my chest, right? He goes, uh -huh. yes, you do. And I go, no, I don't. How dare you? I was ready to like punch him or something. Like, dude, what, <laughs> you know? And I was like, you pompous ass. <laughs> and he says, he says, we all lie. Everybody on this planet lies. You have to lie. You have to lie to yourself to survive or you would go stark raving mad. If you if you told the truth to yourself about everything going on around you right now, you'd go crazy like yeah. nuts. Right. So which kind of made sense to me. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to when you go through that stuff, you have to especially as a child, you have to lie to yourself. You right. have to lie. You have to make up things in your head to, to make it OK. Right. So how yeah. did you cope? What 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 trajectory <clears throat> did you take? Yeah. So I I think uh it took me a while to understand, you know, later as an adult how as a child, I think we we incorporate things into our into our minds and into our belief systems in such a different way than we do as an adult. And so um, I was going to church all the time. I was hearing my dad. I realized later, and this was after a lot of work and a lot of therapy yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of stuff right. uh, <laughs> that I had incorporated because I had listened to my dad. And this is not fault of him, you know, I, I but it, on the pulpit on Sundays talking about sex outside of marriage is terrible and um all of these things if you have any sexual thoughts or if anything sexual happens before marriage then you're damned to hell essentially like you are a, a bad person you're dirt you know whatever those yeah. those that's how i heard it as a young child yeah and like oh my gosh this is happening, so all of these things must be true for me. So it must be my fault. I'm going to hell. I'm a terrible person. Um, there is no real hope for me in right. the future because I'm five and this is happening. <laughs> right, right. So um, that was huge. It was a huge belief that I incorporated at such a young age. And then... At 10, um, my parents had a very, very, very ugly, bitter wow. to figure out pieces of myself that I didn't want to deal with, that I didn't want to recognize, I didn't want to pay attention to, and learning how to completely compartmentalize myself. And I think 
part of doing that is then we learn to take on other people's stuff because you have to fill the hole somehow, right? And so yep. I can avoid my stuff. I can avoid this pain and these beliefs about myself by taking on the feelings and and the thoughts about of of other people. And so that's, I became that's, uh, that's called codependency. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I could You're exactly yeah. right. <laughs> I'm so familiar with that. Holy moly. You know, and I yeah. think and and it you know like for me i i gosh i can so relate i was i nobody was a trust me there were no preachers in my house but uh but the you know i can relate to the um the self-judgment right and like i'm condemned to hell and my thoughts i don't i mean i'm 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 kind of guessing right now um, but I, I believe that I, I probably thought, well, since I'm going to hell, I might as well live like I'm already there. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Party. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was nuts, right? Yeah. 100%. But, right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you, you kind of like internalized everything. Yeah, everything yeah. Yeah. until I got older and then I was just like you. Yeah. So I, I started to get older. The the divorce happened. My mom, um, you know, and there was stuff with my mom. She, she, my mom was very codependent. And so when you have a very codependent parent, then what they do is they try and control their children, right, to become what they need them to be. And so I, I fell right into that. And, um, it worked for me because then I could avoid all of this other stuff. At that point, nobody in my family knew about the abuse. Um, I hadn't disclosed it to anyone. It was something that I, I was hiding. And so, uh, my mom ended up having an affair on my dad with somebody in the church and it was like pure hatred and chaos and it was horrible. And so at that point, I remember thinking, because there was so much hypocrisy and negativity and hatred, and I remember thinking, if this is who God is, I want nothing to do with him. Right. And if I'm already going to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So I started to get rebellious, and I started to really look for my self-worth and my identity in other people, mainly in men and romantic relationships. And I remember wanting to get married at a very young age um, because I thought, okay, this is how I can prove my worth or my value if someone wants to be in a serious relationship with me. So as I got older, uh, high school, I met a friend who, see, I was painfully shy. Oh, my gosh. I was so shy. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Being called on in class, I would turn bright red from head to toe. I would start to shake. I hated being the center of attention. I wanted nothing to do with it because it felt exposing. As soon as everybody's eyes on me, it was like, Everybody can see all of the things that I'm trying to hide. And so 
I did whatever I could to not be in that position. And I met a friend in high school who really was one of the first people to help me realize that I could speak up, that I had a voice. Um, She's still one of my greatest friends today. And um, so that started my journey to where I kind of went from one extreme to the other. So I started drinking um, in high school. There might have been some experimentation. (laughs) I mean, you are in Colorado. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't legal back then, though. Right, right. (laughs) They they no longer call it experimentation there. It's just it's legal. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 I started smoking cigarettes. I mean, I did whatever I could to be the opposite of what I had been. Um, I was in destructive relationships. I was very self-destructive, and so. After high school, I, um, you know, the expectation was kind of you go to college. It's, it actually wasn't an expectation because no, neither one of my parents graduated from college. Um, it was my way out. It was my way to be independent in a way. And so I went to college and, oh, my gosh, like I'm surprised I made it through. <laughs> Did you graduate college? I did graduate, but not without a story in between. So, um, drinking a lot. Like I look back and I think, holy moly, how did I not die of alcohol poisoning? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> really? Like yeah. I, I must have a purpose because yeah. I'm still here. <laughs> I can, I cannot relate to that in any way. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, I, to... I need to read your book. I do. I need yeah. to read it. Oh, do you have my book? I have it. I need to get it. And I need you to read it. You don't have my book? No. Sarah. I know. <laughs> well, I'll have to hook you up with a copy. So, um, but so, so tell me, tell me some of the college stories. Now, was this in Colorado still? Yeah. Okay. So I went to college in Greeley, which is where I live okay. now, um, which was only about 45 minutes from where I grew up uh-huh. um, because of that codependency thing. Right. Like yeah. I still had to go home. I still, you know, but there was there was distance. And so, um, oh, man, I I can't even we just we partied. We drank. We uh, I was very irresponsible. I was um, always looking for the man to complete me. And so my junior year, I had gotten involved in a relationship with somebody who was not the best person in the world (laughs) and um, was very, I guess, um, volatile and um, not great. And so I had. Uh, I got pregnant my junior year of undergrad mm-hmm. and knew immediately that was a shifting point for me. Um, I was, I didn't want to be pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it was a point for me that completely it shifted everything in my life because I had to quit drinking. I had to quit doing all of the things that I was doing and 
when I got pregnant, um, it was the messages that I got around me were, oh, poor Sarah. She was going to college. She was going to make something of herself. Now she's ruined her life. Um, now she's wow. not really going to, you know. And that's from, that's from, that's from your, your parents? No, mainly my mom. Uh, yeah, my mom was very angry about me being pregnant. My dad was always supportive. Yeah. My dad, um, yeah, my it was more in other people like yeah. in our around. You know, it's just it was a terrible thing, and so that actually helped me. That those messages because I've always, even though I was quiet and shy and scared and anxious and all of those things I always had kind of this fire that was dormant within me yeah and that was like I wanted to flip everybody off with both hands and say oh yeah watch me like watch me right I am going to make something of myself and (laughs) I am going to be someone and and it wasn't for me at that time necessarily but it was for my daughter I'm going to provide her with an amazing life. And so it was fuel. And people talk about, you know, taking the the messages from your haters and taking the messages from your naysayers um, and using them as fuel. And you 100% can do that rather than allow it to defeat you. I mean, if you got to give the bird, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I might have a couple of preachers that watch this and go, wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. Let's talk about the bird. I'm kidding. So I, I, and I agree with that a thousand percent. And, and, and again, this is about you, but I want to just interject some of my thoughts because I've been through a lot of crap. You know, um, I'm in recovery. I have 16 and a half years sober and and like I uh, like you talk about like I I've spilled more than you've drank okay so <laughs> like I promise you but it, you know and I'm not trying to compare but I you know yeah. I look back because I started drinking at seven or eight years old and smoking okay. cigarettes and and all of that stuff like and I was rebellious like uh huh. <clears throat> anyway, um, I spent most of my teenage years on probation. How about that? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. you know, but I was, I, I mean, I, you know, you're, you're a product of your environment as a child. I mean, children don't come out of the womb ready to, to, you know, go to jail like that, that right. that's a learned exactly. behavior. Right. Yep. And mm-hmm. so, but I look back now and I think, you know, all of those experiences that I went through, that I drank at, almost drank myself to death on many occasions, like that made me who I am today. And I'm actually today, I'm grateful for it. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer resentful towards it anymore. I'm just not. It made right. me who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Do you feel that oh, way? Totally. Yes. Yeah. I, I went through a period of being very resentful and <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, and I think the, the interesting thing is, is that you were rebellious overtly, like mm. breaking the law and, 
and doing those things. I was rebellious just in a quieter way. Uh, yeah. Well, I was I was set up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, wait a minute. Hang on. Yeah, Nobody breaks the laws like guilty, like they're all innocent. Anyway, no, when I, you know, like I, I was just doing dumb things, fighting and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, mm -hmm. you know, but that, you know, when you're, when you're a kid and you've been through a bunch of bad stuff like that, like it, 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 it's just, I think it's natural, probably even for adults to just that, that reacting, you know, Grant talks about the reactive mind. You're reacting too much to things instead of really allowing it to process and, and, you know, yeah. and so, and I love, I love that. So, so, so you went to college, you, you graduated college, but you had a baby when you graduated. Yeah. Wow. I had, my daughter was one years old when I graduated. Um, wow. I, I had her, I, I finished summer school August 1st. I had her August 15th and I went back for my senior year like August 25th or something. So oh my, my senior, I started my senior year with a 10 day old as a single mom. In so, postpartum. Yes. I had to carry my donut to class. Oh <laughs> you know, my Lord have on. mercy. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Bless your heart. So, yeah. so you, you went to, so you graduated college. I didn't even graduate high school. They told me in 12th grade, um, Hey, you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade and you need that to graduate. And I'm like, for what? Well, I hated it. That's why I yeah. didn't get a credit. I failed it. Cause I hate it. What am I going to use? I'm not dissecting a frog ever <laughs> in my life. So just give me the piece of paper. Come on. I've been right. like, they're like, no. So I walked out. I had three months left and I just said, I'm out. Y'all mm -hmm. suck. I hate your stupid school. Anyway, I'm out of here. <laughs> and now my eight year old, she's like, daddy, I don't want to go to school. And I'm like, well then don't go. <laughs> Stay home. I'll teach you. I'm you know? sure. And, and, and my wife's who went to college, my wife's like, stop that. And she goes, I, my little one will be like, I hate school. And I'm like, I don't blame you. I hated it too. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet your wife really loves that. Oh no, she does not love that at all. <laughs> she, she can't yeah. stand that. But I, I can relate to it. That's why it's like, it, it, it sucks. I don't like yeah. it. So, yeah. um, so, so you graduated from college. You still were carrying, um, obviously not, not, not your daughter, not your baby, but you were carrying, you were carrying baggage, not oh, your child, yeah. but you were carrying some serious baggage. Yeah. So what, yeah. what happened next? You get out of college and then, then what? So I got out of college and, you know, even after I had her, I calmed down quite a bit. I changed my life a lot, but not totally. Right. Um, you know, she would go to my mom's house one night every weekend, and I would just party as hard as I could that one yeah. night. Heck yeah, <laughs> man. You gone. have to. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, you deserve it, right? Get <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, put it all back together. And I was functioning amazingly to everybody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was um, – I was really good at – putting on a show. Right. And so, uh, never, ever, ever telling anybody what was really going on within, within me. And so, um, so I, uh, 
I graduated and I couldn't get a job because my bachelor's is in behavioral science with a minor in psychology, which is really hard to get a job in anything anywhere without a master's in that right. field. So right. I ended up working in retail. I hated it because I was never home. I never saw Aubrey. Um, and it was, you know, I've always loved helping people. Yeah. yeah. I know somewhere within me I have a bigger purpose. And so I um, decided to go back to school and I was going to be a school counselor. So I started grad school and <clears throat> once I, and so I started grad school when she was about, I think she must have been three when oh I started. Gosh. Yeah. And I loved it though. It was amazing. It was like, that really is where my personal growth journey really started because if you're going to be a counselor, the number one thing that you do during school is you learn about yourself mm -hmm. because who you are is going to affect your clients that sure. you're working with. And so I had no clue that's what I was walking into. Oh, wow. You're like, oh. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to go help other people. Right. I can ignore these things in my life still, right? right? You're like, wait a minute. Can yeah. we not talk about me? Let's talk about all those screwed up people in the world I'm going to help. <laughs> it's true. And I still have to watch myself because that's my tendency, right? I'm just like you. I interview other people. I love hearing other people's stories. Not very often do I share my own story and I have to watch that. I have to check myself because it's an easy way to hide actually. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. It is. So I was almost done with school counseling and then I realized I loved actual counseling and sitting in front of people and hearing the depths of them. And so I figured that I should do another degree. So I ended up double majoring. So I have a master's in school counseling, but a master's in community counseling and marriage and family therapy. And I never Lord have mercy. <laughs> you're the, you're like the most educated person I've had on the show. I'm kidding. I've had a couple of doctors, but like that's incredible. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So when I graduated, Aubrey was about five or six. Um, Wow. Yeah. And I uh, worked in a psych hospital for a while. I worked with, uh, then I worked with families who had an adolescent, kind of like you probably would, <laughs> yeah. in the court system. Um, I, I, and, I may have known a few of you in my day. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, then ended up, um, so I was a single mom with her for eight years and then ended up meeting my husband. And, um, but that's not to say, you know, within there, there was a string of, you know, bad relationships, still trying to work on my own value and my own worth. And, yep. um, two years before I met my husband, I decided I needed a break to, get to know myself. And so I made it a rule to stop dating and I didn't date anyone for two years. And then I met him, wanted nothing to do with him. <laughs> yep. 
I was doing pretty well, yeah. you know, focusing on myself and, uh, and he was pretty adamant and won me over. So we ended up, uh, getting married two years later. So at that point it was kind of like, all right, we're going along. And, and right before I met him, I had started a private practice, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. And then poop kind of hit the fan again, mm-hmm. uh, about two years into our marriage. So, um, wow. Yeah, you know, you're going along and it's like, okay, I can take a deep breath. Everything's going well. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I think that, um, you know, again, and, and you're the, you're the counselor, not me. Um, but I've, I've, um, you know, I think that the the biggest thing, and I, I'm sure you will agree, is that that especially in a marriage, and anything really, communication, open and honest communication, is so important. Yeah. You know, I, I in in the um, in the 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 program that I was in for many many years for my my um, my issues with alcohol. Um, you know, it's there, there's a saying that we're as, we are as sick as our secrets, mm. right? So mm. when I, and I, that's so important. My wife and I literally talk about everything. Like we just, we can talk and we get mad and we yell and we do all that stuff, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, we have that open communication and we know we can do that right yeah and and i think that that i don't know that that's healthy or not but i think it is <laughs> it yeah. seems it's worked for nine years so far so totally. um, yes. yeah which is the longest i've ever been married so <laughs> mm-hmm. right oh yeah well there's something to be said about that yeah. for sure yeah so so is that what happened you guys started shutting down or what when when yeah you know it wasn't really within us necessarily it was more stuff that happened around us and i I will say though the first year of marriage was tough yeah uh (laughs) yeah because like you said and i 100 percent agree that communication piece is huge right and i had just come out of taking care of myself, being a single mom, being independent, not needing anybody else for eight years. And, and, you know, that was a lie that I told myself though, too. I don't need anybody else. We do need other people. We do need connection. We do need those authentic relationships where you can talk to somebody about anything. We need that to grow. And, that yes. was really hard for me because I had been hiding for so long. And so to believe that somebody really could actually love the ugliness, it was really hard for me to understand and to grasp that. And so he was begging me to communicate with him. I was begging him. We're both non-communicators. <laughs> oh, God. Right. We we both are withdrawers. We both, you know, something happens. Our instinct is to go our own, our separate ways. That that's not good if you don't push through that because you just keep getting further and further away. So, yeah, 
Um, so we, uh, we figured it out. We worked it out. I'm, I'm a therapist, but I encourage everybody to go to therapy yeah. always. <laughs> we went to therapy, uh, I think there's so much value, whether it's a therapist, whether it's a coach, I think there's different reasons for both, for sure. Sometimes you need both at the same time. Um, There's such value in having somebody who can see your situation from the outside who's not emotionally invested to be able to say, hey, you know, have you thought about this or that? So lots of growth. And then... Um, so we were married in 2010. I ended up having a, um, a few years of some major things happen. I, um, so I had my son in 2012. Uh, that same year I, I got a stalker, uh, through my counseling practice and it was terrifying and horrible and yes. (laughs) Wow. So I was dealing with that, and I had a terrible pregnancy. Then after this, this part of the story is kind of humorous because it's kind of like, really? Like, are you making all of this up? (laughs) (laughs) Love it. So then uh, right after my son was born, my mom disappeared, Um, so my mom, as I said, was very codependent. I mean, she was intertwined in every area of my life. And, um, one day while I was still pregnant, she told me that, um, she was moving to Miami and that she, um, was going to go. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yes. Totally out of character for her. Like, what? Like, <laughs> my, she was so close to my daughter. So even that, we were like, what is happening? What is going on? And I'll make a really long story short. But uh, my son was about two week, two weeks, no, not even, a week old. And we showed up to her house to move some stuff for her in preparation of her move. And she was gone. Um, her house was empty. What? She, um, yeah, yeah. And I haven't, I haven't seen her since. So what? That was seven years ago. Yeah. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Have you talked to her? No, no. Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So the craziest thing, and I, I don't talk about this a ton because I don't even know how much I'm allowed to talk about, but, uh, she, I found out later, I mean, that was such a period of confusion and, you you know, somebody who you think you know better than anybody. Like, right. I thought my mom was the one that would be there no matter what, right? Um, wow. And, I mean, it really, it rocked my world. And so I found out later that she's... She's wanted for a nonviolent crime that she was, she's continuing. I don't, I don't know if she's alive. I don't know where she is. Nothing. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Holy moly. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. 
So, so you've had, um, so, so you've experienced some tough things in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I truly, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people. I get a lot of people that reach out to me. I don't work with everybody that reaches out to me. I just like, sometimes it's too much. Um, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I'll, I'll start referring them to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But, but, you know, I mean, there are people that, that need more than coaching. There are people that need yeah. professional help. And, and right. I don't mean medication. I'm not a believer in that. Um, yeah. I, I think there are people that need, like, somebody that can go really, really deep and, and help them walk them through that process. And I've been there. And, I you know, anyone watching this that is watching now or will watch on the replay like I've been through, I went through many, many, many years of therapy as a, mm-hmm. as, as a teenager and, mm-hmm. and into adulthood. And, you know, it, it helped me. It was with a psychotherapist, not a psychiatrist that was trying to put me on mm-hmm. drugs. I'm not doing that. Big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I, in fact, and I won't mention her name, but as a as a teenager i had a counselor for many years she was a she's a therapist psychologist psychologist and um she saved my life and today she's actually a friend of mine on facebook and after mm-hmm. i wrote my book she actually bought my book during my launch a year ago sarah um <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> But she bought my book and I didn't know. I had no idea. I didn't know that she was watching me. Like, I didn't know. And yeah. she sent me this really unbelievable note on Facebook Messenger. I'm going to choke up just talking about it. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're a kid and going through the tumultuousness, is that a word? That I yeah. was going through... Um, and violence and a lot of other things in in my Mm -hmm. life, like I looked up to her, right? So I I Mm -hmm. actually like, 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 plus she was hot. (laughs) If she, if she watches this, I mean, she was smoking hot. At least I thought so. So anyway, (laughs) like, so I really was living my life. Like I'm, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, living, in a way I, I wanted to improve to impress her probably right as mm-hmm. as my my counselor and so there's I, I my my point is is I want anyone to know that there is zero shame in going to counseling zero mm-hmm. like yeah. in fact if you go get a divorce or you're doing stupid things in your life you should go to counseling. You should get into therapy. You should get a coach. You should invest in that. It, I don't mm-hmm. care if your insurance doesn't cover it. You cover it. The yeah. greatest thing I've I've done in my entire life is 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 is, is you know investing in myself, mm-hmm. investing and in, and in learning why do I do the things that I do and how can I fix that and make it better. And I've done that. Right. Yeah. You know. So, so anyway, so you've been through a lot of craziness, um, and, and I'm sorry to hear that about your mom taking off like that recently. Oh, well, not, I mean, seven years ago, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's insane. But, um, so 
it, we're 45 minutes into this. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> How long do we got? Do we got to get off here? And it, well, I, I like keeping it around an hour, but we can go a little okay. longer if we need to. Um, I mean, it is my show. <laughs> it's it's like show. nobody besides me decides when this thing shuts down. So, um, so when, so how do you, because your daughter now has to be how old? She's 18. My goodness. Yeah. So your daughter's yeah. 18 years old. So at 11, your mom takes off. Yeah. She was a grandmother. 11. <clears throat> yep. And were they close? Yeah, they oh were very God. close. And so like your, your, your daughter's grandmother left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There was a real season of, of loss for us oh. because two years after my mom left, my dad, my brother uh, died in a car accident. Oh my God. And I know. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah. <clears throat> and, wow. and yeah. And then, um, there's been just just a lot of things and we went kind of from having this network of support even though sometimes it was dysfunctional yeah. <laughs> to not having any support so my dad uh who was an amazing support and and still is now though he lives in Florida he's far away um he got really sick he ended up having strokes and so there was that and so it was kind of like our foundation of support was just ripped out from under us within a fairly short period of time it was kind of like I got to a point where I was like oh gosh okay well what's gonna happen next because things just keep happening um now though and I can see after my brother passed Um, It was like something else. You know, I think we go through these things in life and each time something is kind of awakened within us and it's like a building process. And I had known for quite some time that within my heart, what I felt like uh, the message was, is that my message was much bigger than how I was getting out in the world at that point. And, and that I needed to write a book. I needed to start speaking publicly, which was terrifying. I mean, absolutely terrifying to me to go from, I survive by completely shutting down and acting like everything is perfect to holy crap. Like I have to be vulnerable and put my real self out there. That is so scary, but so freaking freeing. Like I can't even, it's amazing. And so, um, after my brother died, it was like something grabbed hold of me and, and shook me up. And, um, like, look at this. You, you look, look at all that you have lost. You, you can lose everything at any moment, including your own life. Like yeah. you don't have that much time here. You never know how much time you have here and how sad it would be to end our time here 
not doing the things that we know within ourselves that we're supposed to be doing. And so I lived a constant internal battle for a long time of knowing what I was being called to do, but not doing it. And, and that in and of itself causes anxiety and all of these other things, which we won't go into since we're, <laughs> but it causes, it causes its own set of stuff. And so after that, I, I decided to make some huge changes in my life and, um, I quit all of the things, you know, the, um, I really quit drinking. Um, my brother had a drug and alcohol problem for his whole life. And when he got into the accident, he had high levels of alcohol and also had drugs in his system. So, um, it was, yeah. So let let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me, because I want to, I want to back up just a minute, just a little bit. Okay. You said that, and this is so important because this, I preached this, like it's in my book. It's in, I, I talk about this a lot. If you're not doing, like, I believe that we all are sent here with a specific purpose that we yeah. are supposed to do. And, and <laughs> I also believe that intuitively we know what that is. If you just learn to listen to that inner voice and meditate or whatever you need to do to get in touch with it, I truly believe that you know what it is. And, and so my, and I know that if, if, if everything's going wrong all the time, like you can't seem to get it together, then there's a pretty good chance. I mean, nobody is that jacked up in the head that, that they can't do some things right once in a while, right? But if everything <laughs> seems to be going wrong, no matter what you do, then you're probably not living in your purpose. Would you agree mm. with that? 100%. <clears throat> so yeah. what yes. was it? What was it, Sarah, that mm-hmm. kept you from living in your purpose, from doing what you were supposed to be doing, what you were sent here to do? What was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. I think it was a combination, and, and I 100% agree with you. I think it was a combination of all of the lies that I had told myself all of the childhood things, you're not worthy, Um, you know, why would anybody want to listen to you? Uh, Also messages like, um, it's arrogant, or uh, you're prideful, if you think that people want to listen to you, was a huge one for me. All that that Bible training. (laughs) Yes. All the guilt and that. Yes, yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah, You're supposed to be meek and mild and you're not supposed to be bold and in, in, in who you are. And so I think so much of it was the messages and the beliefs that I had about myself. And I really believed that there were so many damaged parts of me that in order to get to my purpose, in order to live that purpose, I had to heal or cure or change all of those things first. That 
in order to live in my purpose, I had to show up perfectly in my purpose rather than allowing myself to learn as I went and be vulnerable and say, hey, I kind of suck at this. Right? <laughs> I don't have any clue what I'm doing, right. but here I am. I'm showing up. That's where I got to be. Um, but I think fear that other people were going to not like me. I mean, there's so many things. But one thing that I've really learned, and I can say that I've learned this so much, too, within my own life, just within the last couple of years, is it's it's an undoing. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're not... We live in a society where we strive and we need to have this or we need to do this and before we can be who we are, before we can arrive, before we can share our story. And none of that is true. None of it's true. It's really the goal, I think, is undoing all of the crap, all of the messages, all of the things that are clouding Exactly what you said, yep. who we were born to be. We're born and we do have a purpose and we are a pure being and then all this stuff happens and we have to learn how to get rid of that stuff and, and go back to being who we truly are. Because I, I, I totally agree. If we just stop and listen, yeah. if we do the work, yep. we can find it. So, mm -hmm. so <clears throat> I mean, you know, again, there's a book that I, I, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge reader. And, um, there's a book called a course in miracles <clears throat> and, um, basically, and it's a thick book that's, I mean, it's thick. Um, and, but it's all about the teachings of Christ and, 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 you know, it basically, to summarize it, and this is, it's a thick book. I mean, it's thick. Yeah. But to, to, to give a, a summary, it's basically as human beings, everything that we experience or feel is, it can be categorized under one of two things, and that is love or fear. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I, you know, at first I thought, eh, that's a lot of blah, 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 but it's not. <laughs> it, it truly is. If you really break down everything, so, you know, and I'm kind of leading, leading the witness, so to speak, but, um, my, cause my <laughs> next question is, uh, you know, what is it that you think holds most people back and, and everybody, not everybody, but some, you know, most people say fear, mm -hmm. right? What do you mm -hmm. think it is? Well, that was a good lead in because <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. I think everything stems in fear. Yeah. And so I think everything that holds people back, the root is in fear. Yeah. It's either fear of uncovering it, not knowing what to do with it, or fear of what other people are going to think, or fear of not being enough, or, I mean, it's all, every response, and this is something I teach in my Women Rising course, you can give me 50 responses and every single response we can find how that's grounded in fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's that. And that's, I mean, it's the truth. It's, it's what, and, and again, I, <clears throat> I can't remember who it was, but yesterday I was having, I, I would have to look back through my notes, but I was having a conversation with somebody 
And I said, look, you're waiting on everything to line up and be perfect. And, and as long as you wait before you decide to take that first step until it's all perfect and lined up and just, you know, polished perfectly, you're never going to take that step and you're going <laughs> to die with your music still in you. Because yeah. one thing is for sure in life, and that is you are going to die. It's yeah. going to happen. You're going <laughs> to die. We all are. Like, you don't get yeah. out of here alive. So what the heck are you doing living in all this unbelievable, I, it's all got to be perfect, or this person's going to think that, or that person's going to think that, and then, you know, what if this, and what, and it's like, dude, what what are you doing? Like, mm -hmm. no, you, you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. So if, if somebody, call, and I ask this question of every guest, and I'm going to ask you, um, if somebody were to um, call you and, and say, Sarah, my life is falling apart. My car was repossessed last week. I had a car repoed in front of all my employees one time. That was fun. Um, oh. Yeah, that was really cool. I'm like, y'all got paid. Don't worry about it, okay? <laughs> but but the um, you know, if somebody called you said, hey, my car got repoed last week. They're shutting my electric off tomorrow. My life is falling apart. I can't figure it out. I don't know what's going wrong. What do I do? What are you going to say to them? Because you know, and I know it starts right here, but what, what do you say to that person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think it starts within your thoughts, but I'm a big believer in planning moving forward. So I would say, let's sit down and, and talk about what got you to where you are. Like what got you here? What decisions did you make? Maybe that weren't helpful. Uh, what mistakes did you make? Because mistakes are a good thing. They give us a lot of information. Right. But we have to have that information. Yeah. I think. Um, I think too often people just want to look forward and they don't want to look back and, and gather the information that we need for the present moment. So it doesn't mean you ever live there ever right you don't ever live there because that's victimhood yeah. but you go there and you visit and you take the information that you need and then you bring it into the present moment and so um to help you move forward so i would say let's let's do an evaluation of what got you to where you are and then let's make a plan yeah for how you're going to do things differently moving forward and sometimes that plan moving forward is something like therapy. I've got these deep things that I need somebody to walk me through. Right. Sometimes it's business. Sometimes it's, I mean, there's all these different spokes to yep. the plan that they all have to be incorporated or it's not going to go well. So you're right. I agree with you a thousand percent. You, my friend are an amazing, amazing lady. And um, Anthony Santangelo talks about you all the time. Love that dude. <laughs> I love that dude. In fact, yeah. he I, he asked me for a signed copy of my book, and I only had one left, and, and I sent it out to him this week. So oh, um, I have more coming in, so I'll I'll get uh, I'll get you guys. But um, so how does everybody here follow you? Where's the best place to follow you? Yeah. Well, thank you, Kim. That that touches my heart. Thank you for that. Um, 
So, yeah, I'm on Facebook. I'm very active on Facebook on my personal page. I'm on Instagram. I'm not as active there. I'm trying to be. <laughs> uh, I um, also have recently launched a um, community called the We Community. I have a podcast called the We Podcast. Wow. Uh, maybe you can be my guest on the podcast. I'd love that. <laughs> We'll switch this around. <laughs> I, I would love that. I've been on a few here recently. I'd love that. Cool. Yeah, our messages are very similar. So yeah. my, my podcast is all about real speaking your truth. Yeah. Um, so that other people know they're not alone and they can hear how you came out the other side and, and how you're working to to improve your life. So um, there's the podcast. The We Community is really where I'm building. Um, we are doing a call right now for bloggers. We're, we're launching the We Spot blog. Mm -hmm. And um, those are the main things. I am working on my book and hoping first of 2019 that I'll have that out. So that's awesome. So what, um, what, what is the like the We community? Is that a Facebook thing? A, a yeah. Facebook group? It's a Facebook page. Page, okay, mm -hmm. cool. Yep, yeah. Very cool. Well, everybody, go follow the We Community, right? Yeah. And follow yeah. Sarah Maneras. I will be tagging you in this here in a little bit, awesome. um, so so people can can click on your name and and send you a friend request or follow yeah, you or whatever. It. Yeah. You know, so, so listen, thank you so much. I really genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. I really do. You've got a great story and a great message. And I know, and I'll speak this into your life right now, you are going to help millions of people. Thank you, Ken. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> That, hey, that's not the, that, no, that's not why I say it. I want you to, yeah. you know, I know that that's your heart. You want to help people. And I love that. And I, I I'm just going to speak that into your, into existence for you. Thank you. So, that really means a lot to me. Thank yeah. you so much for having me. And thank you for all you're doing for people. It's really, right. it's, it's what I live for too. So thank yeah. you. So, yeah. um, Dina Kelly said, great interview. I loved this live. Elizabeth Olivieri said, what a great interview. So people, people love yeah. you. You're amazing. Thank so thank you. Thank you All right. so much. All right. Hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much. Don't hang up on me now. Just, just stay with me there okay. on Skype. So, okay. We'll <laughs> see right. you guys tomorrow. Thank you so much.